C3, Connecting Coaches Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Triple Crutch, a.k.a. Violet Christensen. Violet, how's your leg and what's new in your world? Oh, calling it out right at the start. I like it, Courtney. Um, my leg's doing all right. We're healing the best we can. Hopefully, I will be cast-free next week. Um, and my world is much slower than it normally is. Usually, I'm... Um, what my father termed a long time ago, a whirling dervish, and I never stop moving and I'm constantly cleaning and picking up for accomplishing. And so this has been an interesting period of reflection for me and of slowing down. Um, it's kind of like we said last time, the world's going to slow you down if you're not going to do it yourself. And so it's been nice to just have to, um, be more intentional with what things I'm doing and what I'm not doing since there's only so much capacity within my day or within my my left leg to support me, if that makes sense. And um, my children have become super helpers. Um, they're starting to earn allowance by doing lots of running things up and down the stairs. I don't think a single Christmas present would have been wrapped or under the tree or any laundry would have gotten done or anything without their assistance. So um, I guess I've also been marveling at the wonder of a three and a five-year-old really getting independent and being super helpful. So um yeah, it's been an interesting chapter, if you will, but I think it was probably needed in my world to slow down. And it's given me some good reflection time, some time to focus on me and on my children and really shut down work over that break. And that was one of my, was one of my biggest self-care goals was to not open my laptop, which I actually accomplished. So I, you know, Good that's deal. a big um, feather in my cap as far as self-care, right? So just take the broken leg, but we we found some balance and now we'll just rebuild a new system from here and, you know, see where we can get. <laughs> so uh, what are you going to take forward with you once you have both your legs underneath you again? Uh, for me, I think it's, it's just, it's that great reminder of savoring those small things, like just really being excited to be able to just like drive to work or just go pick up groceries or be able to take my kids on a walk around the block um, because we've just been very cooped up, but it makes you find new ways to um, entertain yourselves and to connect with one another. And so I think that's valuable as well. So it just, that level of appreciation is always heightened. Well, you want to keep the munchkin cleaning and uh, carrying squad in full effect, right? You don't want them to get too complacent. Yes, the, the free manual labor is always a bonus. And so, you know, we're going to keep them going on chores. They they dust bust every morning under their scary, crummy table and, you know, just learning some of those new routines. So that was a great piece of growth that came out of this. You know, I, I really appreciated the time to be able to do that. Um, but Courtney, you had a pretty awesome break as well. How have you been doing? What's going on in your world? Um, coming off of our holiday break just really took a lot of time for self-care. Um, we have a counselor in St. Marie, um, Megan Frew, uh, who teaches at Longs Peak Middle School. And she made um, an interactive uh, self-care bingo board that she pushed out via Twitter. And she had people complete over 400 acts of self-care during the break. And then she got all local businesses involved and handed out prizes um, to people with a random drawing. 
So it was really awesome to see everyone kind of focusing on that self-care, which is a great reminder for me that I wanted to lead by example. So just stayed at home, a lot of restrictions still, um, but got out and got my walks with the dog and time with my small bubble for the Christmas and really just taking time. I didn't bake any banana bread though. <laughs> oh, Christian von Nuremberg is going to be upset with you. No banana bread to stop by for. There was baking going on. So yes. what baking did go on? I know that. Um, I think I ended up with like eight dozen different cookies uh, by the end of the week. So it was, it was quite a lot of baking. You may not all know, but Courtney is a blue ribbon baker. So if you ever get your hands on one of her cookies, it is amazing. <laughs> what else is going on as you're launching into this new, this new, not new school year in 2021? Well, today marks the first day that our teachers have all of their students who wanted to return to in-person at the elementary level. So I'm doing that delicate dance of how do you remain supportive to educators without out overwhelming them? But letting them know that whatever you need, I'm here and I've got you. But it, I kind of feel like it's beginning of the school year start where you are supportive for teachers. You let them know we're here, but you kind of hang back and watch and wait till they reach out and say like, hey, we need some coaching. Um, but I also want to provide that safety net where they don't even have to ask. So really just trying to be delicate as we roll into this week and see how things play out and how they make the transition. And then slowly start some coaching cycles back up and remaining, you know, supportive and as a resource for the teachers I work with. So you're being really cognizant of their state of mind and then trying to flex your coaching style in order to meet their needs for sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's been so needed and appreciated from your educators. Hopefully that's the goal, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So today we are pleased to have Dr. Delia Racinas. She's the owner and lead consultant from Insight to Equity, supporting administrators, instructional leaders, and teachers in implementing and sustaining effective instructional coaching programs across the United States. She coaches with research-based instructional strategies to help make meaning of data and effectively narrows achievement gaps. Delia was awarded the prestigious Shirley Hoard Award from Learning Forward in 2016 for the successful implementation of tailored modules transitioning traditional department chairs to instructional coaches, where the achievement gap was narrowed across an entire high school. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's an early morning and we've been having technology issues, but we are so excited to have you this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. And this seems to be like this is our new normal, so it's totally fine. The technology glitches and the scheduling. So this is our this is our new life. So I'm I'm all good. Thanks for having me here today. Well, we appreciate your flexibility. We are just so excited to learn more about you and about your wonderful practices and share your insights with our listeners. So would you start by just telling us a little bit more about how you got into education and how you got into coaching and a little bit more about your background? Sure. So I um, I am originally from the Washington, D.C. area. I am from right outside of Alexandria, Virginia, um, and I currently live in Los Angeles. Um, I got into education on a complete accident. I never intended on becoming a teacher. Um, so fast forward, you know, 17 years later, I look back on my career and I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. But that was never... Um, 
obvious, I don't think. I started my career right outside of DC. It's very normal to go work for the government. That's your goal. And that's certainly the trajectory that I was on. I got my master's in criminology and I uh, was working for the Department of Justice. I was also working for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which comes in really handy now because if my students cut class or my teachers skip out, I tell them, I will find you. I know exactly <laughs> where you are. Um, but I, uh, I was actually in the process of interviewing um, to work for the state. And um, in between interviews, I was substitute teaching. My friend said, hey, it's a good idea. You can substitute teach while you're waiting to interview and get your background checked on. So I said, sure. Um, I was like, I'm not, I'm not the teacher though. So, you know, we're not, you know, don't get that any ideas. I'm just here to interview. I'm, I'm just waiting. And I, uh, was substitute teaching in a class where there was a, an exchange teacher and she was here. She thought she was coming to the United States to teach, um, native English speakers, English, um, not English learners, English. And so she wasn't happy with the position that she got. And so, I, my, the principal was like, Hey, can you stay? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm just here temporarily. Don't forget. And, um, I actually just, I fell in love with these kids. These kids were awesome. They were throwing books out the window and were completely out of control. And I knew the teacher didn't like them. And I was like, this is right up my alley. I love these kids. This is awesome. And, um, I, I met my department chair at the time and she was like, you know, you work really well with these kids. I'm like, no. I mean, I don't know. And of course that as soon as that seed was planted, um, it was, it was over and I just, I loved them. And I it became this very strong advocate for English learners. And of course, I know coincidence, I grew up as an English learner. Um, I refer to myself as Guatemadorian. My mom's from Guatemala my father's from Ecuador. And, um, I, I, I saw myself in the kids in that room. And so I earned my master's in curriculum and instruction and went on to get my doctorate and teacher education and educational law. And I advocate for English learners. And I met amazing coaches. I had a coach. And um, she said, you know, you're, you're really good at supporting teachers and, and kids. Have you thought about coaching? And I was like, no, I haven't. I'm very non-athletic. She's like, not that kind of coaching. <laughs> Instructional coaching. And um, I, I just kind of followed her lead. And I, I met um, Jim Knight. And um, Joelle and Killian, who trained us in Fairfax County. Um, and so I took their, you know, followed their lead. I loved their research, followed their research very well. And um, was graciously enough, or like, thankful enough to be trained by both of them. And by adaptive schools and cognitive coaching as well. And now I've expanded that into my own consulting firm out here in LA. And, and here we are. Um, so it seems like every little pivot that I took up until now was not at the time intentional, but of course, everything makes sense in hindsight, right? So hindsight's twenty twenty, um, and I certainly appreciate everything that I've experienced along this journey. So it's it's been quite the ride to get into coaching. So in that long-winded answer, there you go. That's, that's, that's how I got here. <laughs> I love it, though, because you bring so many different backgrounds and pieces to coaching that I'm sure help your educators that you work with. Um, you know, it seems like you have every perspective to offer them and all these little insights. Uh, what does coaching look like for you this year? Well, very, uh, not like any other year I've ever experienced. I think, um, it's different today. I can say that today as we're talking in October, 
compared to March. I feel like March, our worlds got flipped upside down and it became this like emergency 911 of like, just get me online. Like, how do I get online? Uh, like, what's Google Meets? <laughs> Zoom? Do I have to download that? Uh, just these emergency questions. And um, as, you know, teachers, because teachers are just amazing, the most amazing people on the planet, really. There is, I, I look back at that time and I'm like, gosh, there's no other career in the world where you could just literally flip and you're online and you're at home and you're teaching your students, like unimaginable. And it's just the resilience of teachers and students um, is amazing to me. If As we, you know, moved um, through March up until now, now it's just um, the increase of rigor or the expectations. There's so many different regulations and uh, mandatory requirements that have been added now. It's really about um, supporting teachers and making sure that um, that overwhelming sense of being this, whatever you have in your head of being that teacher, that it's practical and reasonable and calm for them. And so it's really about supporting, supporting them where they're at. And, and really helping each teacher in their own individual journey. So it's a combination of things of just making sure that you're, you're sticking with what they need. That's so huge that you're being mindful of where they are in their journey and what their feelings of efficacy and craftsmanship might be in this moment. And that you're being really mindful of that and approaching them where they are in each of those conversations is as you're thinking, um, of your coaching and thinking of other coaches, what advice would you give to other coaches in this time? Um, I, I tend to stick with my mantra of um, always listen for the request and the complaint. Um, and that's just something that has stuck with me. And that was something I was honored that Jim Knight quoted me in his book with that one because it's one that um, that's, it just sticks with me. It resonates with me because there's always um, a request in every complaint that we hear. So I try not to think of them as complaints. I think of them like, just listen. Like if you just listen and without thinking of the next thing to say, you'll hear what that request is. And so um, that's my biggest piece of advice to other coaches is to, to listen, listen to, listen to listen <laughs> um, and, and hear how, hear what they need so that you know which direction to coach them in. Um, I think it's really easy to, you know, I listen to, you know, Jim Knight, the guru of instructional coaching, right? Um, being really, really conscious of not slipping into that consulting mode and staying in the lane of coaching. And um, that is everything. And, and I pay attention more now to the nonverbals that I get in my video chats than anything. And that is what really steers me to coach. And I have sticky notes everywhere, like stay in your lane, <laughs> stay in your lane. And if you can do that and listen for that request and the complaint, um, you'll be, you'll be on, on the right path. We know you have um, a passion for the emotional content paraphrase and know the power within that. In what way do you feel uh, the strategy impacts your coaching work? Yes. So I, um, I think that's like a twofold answer. I'm, I'm a really strong believer in um, assuming positive intentions in all teachers. So that powerful paraphrase, I'm always very conscious of because I don't, you know, if you make that wrong paraphrase, it becomes that defensive that's not what I meant, but I think um, if coaches think of it as like it's really important to make sure that that, par that paraphrase is correct so that you're actually validating what issue your coachee has, it's really important to just take that head on. And if you hear a teacher, you know, I had a teacher yesterday who was like, I just, I cannot do this. 
I can't do this district assessment. I can't, you know, there's too many things. And to really paraphrase her, like, you're overwhelmed. And she's like, yes. And so we stayed there and she was able to just take a minute and move past that, um, being able to verbalize what she was feeling to then be able to go, okay, so how can we work toward a solution for her? And so it's, um, it's really powerful to be able to, to have them reflect on being okay with feeling that way um, and putting it out there to then be able to move them towards a solution. So like, what, what can we do? What, what can you tackle? And um, seeing her kind of walk herself down was, is powerful. Um, and it's just, it's really just the power of listening and, and giving them back what they're saying that sometimes they don't hear. So um, it's, it's an extremely powerful um, strategy. Yeah, I love, you know, just naming that emotion, how much movement you can get and shift from someone just by you saying you're overwhelmed. And they're like, yes, exactly. Like, and now I can think about how to solve this problem. But before that, they weren't quite able to name it and get so stuck in that moment. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's so impactful when that beamer, that cognitive shift is like visual, even in a video chat, as you were talking about, like you can see it come across their face, like light they just light up and you're like, we're getting there. We've got the light. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so exciting. So I'm always like, yes, I'm secretly like cheering, like, yes, she's, you know, she's got this, you know? So I'm like yeah. just cheering her on it and just trying to stay in my coaching mode as well so that we can move forward. But yeah, it's, it's always exciting to see because you can see it. On the outside, it's rapport. On the inside, celebration. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I'm always having like an inner celebration. Anyone who knows me knows I'm like, yes, score. Yes, this is exciting. So yeah, it's, it's exciting work. Well, and along that line, can you share with us one of your biggest coaching celebrations? Tell us one of your stories of, of success that we can share in. Yes. So um, I... I moved here to Los Angeles and I always feel like I left my coaching tribe behind in Fairfax County, Virginia. Um, I came here alone. There wasn't an instructional coaching group like we have. We had like over a hundred of us. And so um, I had no tribe. So I was a lone ranger, um, but I took on uh, the challenge of applying for and earned the instructional coaching position in Orange County. Uh, but I was the only one. So I was like, anybody out here? Okay. So any coach knows that without your coaching people, you're like, guys, anybody out here <laughs> um, to collaborate with and to just, you know, every coach needs a coach. That's something, something I strongly believe in. Like you need to be coached too. Um, but I uh, was able to establish a coaching program in the middle school that I was working in. And I met another principal at a local high school right down the street. And that is actually where my consulting started because she said, I like the work you're doing over there. And I'm like, I can't do both places at once kind of thing. So I ended up doing it after school and I transitioned her traditional department chairs into instructional coaches over two years. Um, it really took the vision of the principal and her trusting me to develop very specific modules for her. And the biggest accomplishment was winning the Shirley Hoard Award with Learning Forward. Um, and being and, and being flown to Vancouver with my team. I think about it now and it just blows my mind that um, like little me, like little person, um, still a learner, I'm learning every day. Like, I can't believe we won that. Like, oh my gosh, because I um, learning forward has been such a large part of my life uh, since I became a teacher. Um, I'm like, they, they picked us, like they picked the work that we're doing. 
um, because I value the work so much. And so it was great to, you know, show them that my team, that there's this world of other coaches out there that just kind of went through this two-year program I put them through that I put together um, that shifts practice. And they really um, just loved coaching as much as I do. And so, you know, that multiplier effect, like, off you go, you know, they're good. Um, but it was great. And that was definitely my biggest accomplishment. And it was such a big one um, that I, I'm always in awe of, of the people that I worked with and uh, the growth that they made uh, from just shifting and trusting me to shift them from department chairs to coaches, which, um, you know, they share their journey. And they're like, when they first met me, they were like, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, no. Um, and just seeing how much they grew and loved it and saw shifts. And, and of course, in student outcomes, which was our biggest gain in a, in a high school of over 2000 students. So um, it's, it's just definitely one of those things that I always look back on. Like, I can't believe we did that. <laughs> so it was great. I love how a leader saw something in you and was like, hey, I want to bring this to my building. Help me out here. Yes. It's so powerful. I, yes. I was like, are you sure? Um, and, um, you know, just really trust. I had to trust myself, which was really hard to um, put these modules together. And just seeing the success in each one of them was like, um, you know, she always was like, this, this is going well. I'm um, like, it is. <laughs> Let's not change it. Let's just keep going. <laughs> um, and just seeing it shift practice was amazing. Just seeing it now, I can look back and just see how much of a journey they went on. Um, and it was, it was great. Your energy is just so magnetic. No wonder they wanted to follow you and that you were able to build such a remarkable army of coaches out there. That's unbelievable. Oh, thank you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. So we know you've had this experience with building in um, into a building before that hasn't had coaching. How do you help build a f- culture of coaching? I really believe in, um, you know, walking the walk, but also talking the walk. So being very transparent with what I'm doing and why. Um, and I feel like when I share what I'm doing and why, um, I just, I keep building this little sense with the many coaches around me who are teachers and don't necessarily want to be coaches, but they, they feel the benefits of coaching and they're like, Oh, that's what you're doing. Or that's why you're doing that. So for example, like a, you know, I did a strategy of like spend a buck and trying to gain consensus with the team who had never walked through that process before in the current school that I'm in. And they're like, you know, we've never done that before. And, um, and, and, you know, walking them through, like, these are the, actually the reasons why we do this and the steps of why we do this and how you build consensus. They're like, this is cool because we don't really talk to each other. I'm like, right. Um, so having them kind of reflect on that, um, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it has, um, has and, and then sharing, hey, this is, this is coaching. This is what coaching looks like. And this is why it's helpful. And they're on board because they feel supported. Um, so I, I definitely try to walk the walk and, and share research as much as possible with them of, you know, the, the gurus in the field that um, just have that help everyone. You know, it, it helps you whether you're in the classroom or you're an administrator. Again, every, every coach needs a coach. So who, whatever position that you're in, you need that um, sounding board of like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. We hear that transparency piece from so many of our guests of just, tell them what you're doing, let them see, uh, call the principal up at a meeting and coach them in front of the staff, you know, make it 
so clear of what coaching looks and sounds like. Absolutely. And it's, you know, the proof's in the pudding when you, when you can watch the nonverbals of like, okay, you know, um, you see that they're with you and and they get it. And they, they, I think teachers just in general appreciate transparency and being treated like the professionals they are. And I think it's really important to continue to do in our work. Absolutely. And they also appreciate that designated time to be able to have good cognition. I feel like they're running so quickly and so fast that when they have a meeting with their coach, it's like, oh, it's like this treasured time that I can actually stop and think and just, you know, be able to brainstorm or be able to just have some reflective moments. So just having that designated time and space is so huge as well. Yeah. It's funny you say that because the coaches that I work with in Orange County, every time I showed up, they'd be like, ah, yes here and they would get like this calm and I'm like I do that for you and they're like yes it's like awesome I'm like okay this is good <laughs> so as they got used to my coaching style they were like after our sessions they would be like I actually like had time to think and think about what I'm gonna say or think about what I didn't say um and so you know it's a very um just targeted time for reflection so and, and we need that especially right now Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you are clearly running from one thing to the next and keeping super busy in all realms of coaching. It's been so fun to hear about your journey. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're maintaining a work to home balance in this unique year? I feel like that's um, been a struggle for a lot of educators and kind of a theme throughout this year in our podcast as well. So what do you do for self-care? Oh, yes. I uh, Google Calendar is my best friend now. Um, I, I, there's no way that I could, um, do what I'm doing without scheduling everything in my calendar. And it sounds super tedious. Um, but I even, you know, I block out like planning time, like, don't forget to look at this or, you know, just notes to myself. Cause if I don't block that out, it's not going to happen. And, um, you know, blocking things out like two to three weeks in advance too, it, it helps me know that I have that window of time that I can still move things around, but uh, I have to calendar everything out. And then just giving myself time to reflect at the end of every day, um, you know, right before I go to bed, like, you just thinking about everything that you've accomplished in a day. It's you really think about how much you do and how many people you talk to and how many students you affected. Um, it's a lot on every single day. Um, and, and how every conversation that you have, Every coaching conversation that you have, what that multiplier effect will look like when you're done with, when you're quote, done with that conversation, how that conversation will then lend itself to another one with maybe not with you, but with their team or with, you know, and I wonder like, I hope that goes well. You know, I hope it's when I'm coaching that coach that they do well and they feel confident with their ability to coach another team or, um, so those are the things I think about and just, you know, I make notes to myself to make sure to check in and touch base. And um, all of those things are really important. They take a minute to just touch base and, and you know, how's it going? Or that's that's key to, to make sure that we're all feeling connected because I feel like if you don't see them on video, then we didn't touch base. And that doesn't have to be that way. You know, a quick email of like, hope you're good and you know, thanks for your time kind of thing. Um, but calendaring things out and also just, making sure you're okay with things messing up your plan. <laughs> so um, like last week, for example, um, you know, be okay with that. Like everything is so fast paced and moving right now. Um, be okay with things that come up and breathe. 
and, and let it go and, and just be able to kind of move forward with that. So that's something I'm working on. That's what, uh, is just being okay with these incidents that come up for COVID that require your time. Yeah, it's maintaining that flexibility and sometimes just going with the flow. You can't fight <laughs> against the stream. Sometimes you just got to go with it. Yep. You just got to go, okay, this is how it's going to go and, and being okay with that. And then just keep moving along. You talked about um, having your coaching tribe and the importance of interacting with other coaches. Um, how do you engage with other coaches? Social media. <laughs> I really feel like social media is everything right now for me. The, the Twitter chats, um, I, I, an array of Instagram friends. When Jim Knight joined Instagram, I'm like, hey. Um, I thought that was super cool because I'm like, are you on Instagram? Hi. Um, so having him to chat with is great. Um, and just, you know, staying connected with the gurus. I feel like you have access to the gurus of coaching at your fingertips now. And I wondered, you know, why wasn't it like this pre-COVID? This is so awesome. I mean, we had our Twitter chats, but now everything's just so much more, um, you know, it's more intimate. You can just reach out and send a message and it's okay. Um, and so social media has been one way. I also just schedule Zooms with, with my coaches back home. I mean, we still coach each other. We connect and just touch base. Like, how are things going? What are you reading? We always want to know what we're reading so that we can all kind of sit, keep up to date with research and um, and share what's working with each other and like what's going on in your building because everything's so all over the place depending on what district everyone's in. Um, and what do your teachers need? And what are you hearing that teachers need? Like for real need, not you know, you know, they 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 give coaches the real deal. Like, no, this is what I need right now. And um, finding practical ways to share that information with them. So, you know, I've, I'm, I'm thankful. I still am connected with my with my army of coaches across the globe. And so we stay connected. And so I'm very thankful. Thank you, Internet gods, because <laughs> um, I'm very thankful for that and just being able to stay connected and, and, and share the research. What are you reading right now? <laughs> Well, I am right now, I am reading, uh, I'm rereading um, one of Jim Knight's newer books um, that he just came out with. And I'm looking at my bookshelf because I have a whole like rack of them. <laughs> the Impact Cycle, um, I, I'm rereading that because I'm, I'm looking at it through a different lens of distance learning and uh, how I can take just little snippets of that and being able to use those in my coaching conversations now. Um, especially on, you know, just staying focused on the coaching journey that each of my teachers is on right now. And how do I make that work through video chats without being able to see them in person? Um, so that's been extremely helpful to me. And just, there's so many spaces in there for me to reflect on what I'm doing that I just make it a very intentional part of my day. So uh, that, that's what's on my shelf right now. And certainly, um, one that I, I, tend to refer back to quite a bit. I definitely think that we're both grounded in gym night as well. And so we've got three fangirls here. <laughs> Yay, I know. He's so great. It's amazing. Like you said, the power of social media and how we were able to connect with you that way, connect with him that way, and just how it really does make our world a little bit smaller place in this very isolating time, which is so huge. Um, and we wanted to ask you, what projects do you have on the horizon or how and where can we learn more from you? Where can our listeners find you? 
Yes. So I am on Instagram. Um, it's uh, my consulting firm is called From Insight to Equity. Um, and that is really important to me. Um, just being able to insight to equity is everything that um, my company stands for. And what I truly believe that coaching does, I think if we can look from within, we know how to ensure equitable outcomes and opportunities for all kids and helping our teachers do that. Um, and so I'm, I'm always on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. You can find me at From Insight to Equity as well. Um, any Twitter chat that involves, you know, our instructional uh, coaching connection groups are out there. I try to stay as connected as possible. Um, and I, and I love connecting with other instructional coaches because we are, you know, we, we lock arms and we're all on the same team. And that's what I love about, um, this little area of education is, you know, every coach that you meet is just like your automatic family member because you're all aligned, you know, you're, you're like-minded. And so, um, that is certainly something I'm working on. I'm also, I teach at USC. And so, um, I am teaching my students are unfortunately not able to get into the country right now. And so, um, I am teaching them online. They're in China. So I teach them at night and it's morning over there. And that is certainly something, um, that it's been a 10 year program. It's a Matisse program to help them matriculate into the United States to be able to be successful in their graduate programs. And so, um, you know, giving them little snippets of coaching throughout their instruction as well has been extremely helpful and coaching them through their journey as well. And so coaching really does fit into every aspect of, of the projects that I work on. Um, and it's, it's always uh, rewarding to be able to see their journeys as well as they progress through the programs. Um, and of course, I'm always working with uh, coaches across the globe. Right now, I'm um, you know, since March, things have slowed down a little bit, which is good um, to be able to kind of catch our breath and, and really focus in on what teachers need around the world right now. And um, everyone needs a coach. So if uh, you need a coach, I'm here. I certainly enjoy, um, enjoy this journey. I'm extremely passionate about it. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to do this work. It's incredible to hear your passion just coming through the Air, AirPods right now. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's just tangible in everything that you say. And we're just so grateful to be able to share that. And we're going to move to the rapid fire portion. So our 30 seconds or less questions, one of our favorite portions. And will you tell us, I think you alluded to it before, but what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching? Uh, definitely listen for the requests and the complaint um, because it's, because it's so common right now to hear what you think are complaints, um, but they're really not. And so I, I encourage everyone to just really listen, listen for the requests out of, out of our teachers right now. They really need support. How relevant in this moment. Absolutely. And, and always in education, but extra prevalent right now, right? Being mindful. Definitely. Yes. Tell us what is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? My go-to move is probably a third point. So, um, you know, I always say like, hey, have you read, you know, whatever it is about the topic, you know, like equity is a big one right now. And um, Zaretta Hammond would be one that I'm like, hey, have you read her stuff? She's so good. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to something. I love one of their coin phrases of like, um, you know, how do you water up students, you know, and, and throwing a question like that out 
as a third point. So it's, it's not coming from me. It's coming from this or have you read about this? And so I try to really model coaching strategies when I'm with other coaches to model for them. How do you get that conversation started? And how would you do that? Try a third point. Um, so I try to model that as much as I can. And, um, uh, and that, that really helps me get certain conversations started. Thank you so much for being such a force within education for both coaches and teachers. You can hear your passion for teaching and learning it with any individual in any space. It's just, it's wonderful. So we so appreciate having you today and stealing your time. And we hope we can stay connected with you as coaches and continue to collaborate in the future. Absolutely. I really um, have, have loved getting to meet um, folks like you all out there who are, are doing this work and, and connecting us because it's really important. And I, I definitely appreciate your time as well. So thank you. Thank you so much. Delia truly believes in coaching and listening to the requests behind the complaint. She lives and breathes coaching in every aspect of her work. One thing that resonated with us is that every coach needs a coach. Coaches, reach out to your coaching colleague today and have a coaching conversation. C3, connecting coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?